Doc is coming here tomorrow. Yeah, it's gonna be here Times Dope podcast coming at you. I, you know what I've, I've been thinking about? I've been thinking about how interesting it would be if we were like to quarterly uh, come down and tape some episodes live in DC. Like how how dope would that be? That would be very dope. Like the energy, because you know the energy. You said what? I said people would come see us. We could put on Eventbrite, have an open little thing. They come see us. Check us out. Yeah, we could do it. We, can we do it at American? At, at, at no, we doing it at Busboys and Poets. We got <laughs> yeah. Our energy, our energy ain't American University energy. Our energy okay. is Busboys and Poets energy. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> like, All right. So, topic. What are we celebrating during Black History Month? It's Black History Month out here. Well, it's it, it, every month is Black History Month for me. But uh, for some folks, they like to get blackity black. And so let's talk about it. What are you doing to uh, celebrate Black History Month? Doc, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to celebrate um, just self-care. Mm. Reading more about the ways that um, we can practice self-care. And so during Black History Month, I find that uh, I try to read more and pay honor to the ancestors that died so that I could read and learn to read. So I try to read more during uh, Black History Month um, and hope that that will kind of spur me on to read the rest of the year. So I'm reading about um, uh, the ways in which self-care uh, works. And uh, the book I'm reading is called Black Joy, uh, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration uh, by Tracy Lewis Gidgets can find that joint so it's it's been a great read and a great opportunity for me just to lean in so that's what i'm i'm doing and uh and for my kids we're celebrating black history month um by me just working because of my schedule to spend more time with them out in the community doing things uh with them and just uh you know uh just being uh available uh, when I'm not traveling. So those are the two things I'm doing uh, to celebrate and honor the ancestors during Black History Month. Uh, what I'm not doing is going to Target to buy oh. shit off a shelf that oh. celebrates Black History Month. Because you know every Black History Month, Target has a thing that says Black History Month and they got all this stuff on there. And last time I went, I don't even know where I was at. <clears throat> they had the dude from England, the colonizer, Married to Meghan Merkel had his book on our list, and I'm like, "What? Yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, I ain't making that up." So, Ray, you on uh, mute? Wait, so uh, you said they had who? They had the colonizer that's married. Yeah, so to I, saw, I saw that picture, bro. And we don't know if that was orchestrated by someone that was just trying to like pull at your heartstrings or whatever. We don't know what what what, what that was about. I, it seemed like an anomaly. I, I I think that pick was cat. I'm gonna have to do some research. Please do. I, I don't think that was. I don't think that was a reality. Well, whatever it is, his face being attached to 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 my ancestors <laughs> is all sorts of wrong. Yeah, yeah. and I'm all right. the sympathy that people have for her is also wrong because oh, she boy. knew what she was signing up for, 
with white supremacy and genocide Disavow. in that family. You can't come for you can't come for Megan, man. You come for Megan, people, people, you get canceled. We can have that conversation. Like <laughs> You, hey, we're gonna have that conversation. We're gonna have that conversation not on air. <laughs> I'm saying, like, what you think was gonna happen, sis? What, what's gonna happen anyway? Oh, god, hey, how are you celebrating Black History Month? So, um, two ways. The first way is that I, um, on the 31st, pulled out all of my black, beautiful swag. I have all kinds of shirts from all kinds of dope black designers. T-shirts, bandana, just all kinds of just blackity black. We're black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all. So I have been committed to um, to recirculating those things in my wardrobe, to shouting out black designers, black stylists, um, black culture. I love that. Um, like Doc, I've also been engaging in some more reading, and so there's a bunch of books that um, I'm waiting to come that center um, the history of black people. Um, in a way that I don't often get to explore. I think, you know, as a as a scholar, as a teacher, as a practitioner, we're often reading things that are just specific to like, I'm reading about Black girls and Black women, or I'm reading about air policy, or I'm reading about like conscious leadership, but I'm not like reading about Fannie Lou Hamer, or like mm-hmm. reading about, you know, just people and their stories. And so I think that's another way. The third way that I haven't done yet, but I really want to, um, I want to do some more listening to my elders this month. Um, one of the assignments we had to do at Penn uh, in my research classes, we had to just go somewhere. And first we had to just sit and observe and just try to document like what we see without creating a story. And then another assignment was for us to talk to an elder in our family um, for 45 minutes to just record the conversation to help us become better interviewers. And in talking to uh, my uncle Dupree, who was down in North Carolina, who was, um, he was in the Navy. Uh, he was one of the first black folks that was there. He was like, he, first, he got called a nigga more in the Navy than anywhere else. And just all these great stories. And I think that February is a great time to just call an auntie, call a great cousin and just talk to them, listen to them. You know, so much of the wisdom and the stories um, are just being sold online and <laughs> they're just not there as much. And so I'm going to try to do um, a better job this month specifically of just listening to the ancestors and engaging them and learning from their wisdom and thinking about what stories I have to tell young people who are part of my family, who I want to know that Black history is not just something that happens in February between the 1st and 28th. Um, we're making Black history every day by taking up space, by learning this, you know, this podcast is Black history. Anything, all of our actions, what we're doing is Black history. So that's how I'm going to celebrate. Hmm. Oh, I, I, Doc, I'm gonna push you, right? Because here it is: we have these these uh, these corporate uh, entities mm. that, um, from the first to the twenty eighth, all of a sudden become allies. But throughout the year, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. But for Target, I've seen Target. Uh, highlight the work of, of black entrepreneurs in their stores throughout the year. Fair I've enough. seen I've seen Walmart not do the same thing. Shout out to Walmart though, because I'm, I'm talking bad about the Waltons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not because they invest in the community, but <laughs> just not talking bad about the Waltons. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> what 
what what what are your thoughts on that? Like how how do we so how yeah, do we... I mean I think that uh that's a good uh call out and yes, I, I will grant you that. And I think the more and more I've learned and spent time in corporate America over the last year, the more and more I realize that it's complicated because there's what you see that uh Walmart does. I'll just use Walmart. And like the criticism people may have of their labor practices and blah, blah, blah. But then there's also the truth that as a, from a philanthropic lens, Walmart has done significant investment in uh, our community through uh, black led charter schools, right? Like they, they, they haven't uh, done as much as I think they should in that space, but they've done it more than others, right? And so I think <clears throat> there's some nuance to it that I really appreciate you naming when I think about Target uh, and and at least here in the DMV, and H, you could chime in on this too, a significant portion of the people who work there are people of color, at least in my experience. And a significant portion of the people in management that I've interacted with at many targets are people of color. So I think that to your point, that's correct, that uh, I need a different example other than Target. Yeah, uh, I understand. Consider, consider yeah. my son wants me to take him to Target to spend this Target gift card uh, as soon as the podcast is over. Ooh, well, ooh. a good example of a, a good non-example this is that raggedy um, unveiling of that police car down in Florida. Oh! Created in all of the black flag colors of liberation with a little map small of Africa on the back and kente cloth, right? So there's a difference between it's Black History Month and look at this new unveiling that shows that we are committed to equity and diversity and inclusion and not shooting you in the back as you run away from us because our car is now painted in the colors of liberation. That's different. And so we got to think about like where, where does it come performative? And where is it authentic? Um, and even when it's performative, who is benefiting from it? Yeah, I don't know that I would feel any safer with a car that was red, black, and green and lights from the police behind me than I would with the one that says first to serve here in PG County, right? So I, that kind of stuff is just, um, and it makes me concerned about when these ideas, let me, Take my voice down because I feel like I'm yelling. <clears throat> and my can't <laughs> be a peacemaker if I'm like, yeah, so let me bring it. Yeah. Okay. It makes me curious <laughs> about the people who are sitting in these rooms who say, that's a great idea. Let's yeah, but see, but see, but but H H, that's a that's that's a very good call out right there because who's sitting in these rooms? Right. And, and if you don't have folks that are see, see, I'm a push y'all because like we all we always say, uh, you know, folks that look like us. But we can be it can be folks that look like us that are coming up with these that are that, that because are, you skin that, folk don't mean you can folk and somebody right. had to do some research because they knew to use the three liberation colors. The exactly. the thought is less about who it's about who is in the room and it's yeah. also about their you know, we are so easily entertained. Oh, we're so God. easily distracted. We're so easily, we, we're not, 
enraged in the ways that we should be. And so even when we sit in these rooms and somebody's making, they, they don't even understand the implications of it because they don't really take us seriously. That's they don't right. take our scholarship seriously. They don't take our dollars seriously. They don't take our complaints and our lived experiences. They don't take our stories seriously. So to them, they can just unveil this car and clap it up and think that they've done a good thing and in some way have met some metric or some DEI initiative that's keeping them out of a court system because the majority of people they pulling over and killing are black and brown and poor. Yeah, but imagine, ima I'm sorry, Rob. Imagine getting pulled over in that car. Jesus. Imagine imagine the trauma that would be associated with getting pulled over now that, that would be a living don't imagine that we have fear when we get pulled over because the side of the car says first to serve <laughs> right Listen, let me they tell you don't something. have no idea that Some, my heart starts beating fast when a police car is behind me right. and i ain't even riding dirty they some of my worst experiences that. some of my worst experiences as an adult have come at the hands of being pulled over by police. Right, so, Rob. The first time I was called a nigga, it was by a cop. <laughs> I was six years old. I was nine oh, years oh, old. I, I feel like I heard this the story. First time. Uh, I'm gonna trust you. Yeah. Whether so, your car is black, red, green, white, or brown, what is that? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, Rob, Rob, I don't know, man, because you you seem like a law-abiding citizen for the most, <laughs> for the most part, and so. What what are your experiences like in terms? Well, so uh, beyond that, right? So Tyree, Tyree Nichols, uh, murdered down in Memphis. We don't have to talk about it, but you wrote something interesting, which then spawned me to write something about it as well. So you wrote, you know, in terms of like having a conversation with your son with regards to all of this like yeah, murder that's happening amongst black men, black men being hunted in America. And so I just want you to unpack that and then I can unpack my feelings with regards to the conversation I have with my son. I mean, I think for me, I'm tired of having the conversation and just running out of ways to explain it to him, right? And I think when it all went down, I said to him, I don't care what you do. When you talking to your friends on your video games today, but what you're not going to do is watch that video. Here's why. And we had a long conversation and um, he accidentally came across the video later after we talked about it. It was an accident. He didn't watch the whole thing, right? And we had to have another conversation. And I think he seen me get pulled over by the police and be in tears and just hysterical. And when he's hysterical, when that happens, it makes me even more nervous, right? Because I don't know what they're their reaction is going to be. And granted, this was many years ago because he's now 12. Um, <clears throat> and I just think that uh, it makes me afraid for him because he is tall at 12. Um, and we saw what happened to the young blood in uh, Ohio, Tamir Rice, right? And, you know, I've seen my son outside playing with the little Nerf gun with some of his friends in the neighborhood. And it just made me think like, damn, like, do I yell out there and be like, put that down or allow you to have that joy of being able to interact with your friends, you know? And 
three of them were white and two of them or three of them were black and two of them were white and they were just kids. They wasn't thinking about any of that. And it just pained me that I have to think of those things as a part of his day-to-day reality. When I went to tour the middle school that he's going to go to, I was asking him like, well, what's the police presence like in this building? Is there an SRO? Is there not? Like, how, how does that, that work? Um, and it's, it's just, it just pains me because I'm running out of answers, like absolutely running out of, of answers. And just, I'm afraid that I just can't be there at moments to protect him and help him navigate some of these situations that may or may not appear. So, um, yeah, it, it just sads me because it also is a reminder for my youngest son who, uh, was, uh, was, um, has been diagnosed as having a high functioning autism. There's a, there's a whole body of work around black boys with autism who um, interact with the police. Like, what is that? What is his experience going to be like? And now granted he's sick. So that's, you know, he's not at a point where, you know, we're having that level of conversation, but what does it look like? And there's a young black man who, uh, has autism who started a, I think a nonprofit somewhere in Maryland um, and it's all about educating the police about black boys who have autism um, and how to interact with them and so that level of neurodiversity is something that needs to be talked about um, and it's something I'm committed to doing to leverage in my platform and the privilege and access that I have to not only advocate for uh, black boys and black men and how they navigate police interactions but also going a layer le- layer under that and working to support uh, young people, black boys, and and in general, uh, kids in general with autism, but specifically black children with autism, uh, as they navigate uh, the police. Because I just and working with their parents, because I just think that it presents a different set of challenges that we often don't talk about um, in schools. And we certainly, uh, in this case, higher ed is is trash. Higher ed doesn't often deal with the nuances of what it means to be neurodiverse in a world. Uh, that uh, uh, basically questions the humanity of of uh, children of color in in so many ways. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. It is it is tough. Yeah, and so similar to you, you know, I had to have this conversation with my uh, with my seventeen year old, and man, it's a tough conversation to have, you know, because you know he 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 goes and comes as he pleases. He's a college student, and we try to put limited restrictions on him in terms of you know feeling like, hey, we taught you the right way and you're going to go out and you're going to make the best decisions. But, you know, have my conversation with him is not so much as the decisions that he makes, but the decisions that other people make, right? And so it's like, I'm not questioning the decisions that you make because, you know, we put you in a place to where you can make the best decision for yourself. But you get pulled over by a cop, we don't know what decision that cop is going to make. And so therefore, it's like, you know, when we put constraints on you in terms of telling you what you can and cannot do, it's not because we don't trust you. It's because we don't trust everybody else. Man, the system is not built for us. We've already come to the realization of that. And every month we are reminded of that. We are reminded that, you know, black men are are extinct or becoming extinct in terms of, you know, just like how we're dealt with with law enforcement. You know, you look at the amount of black male teachers that exist that number's dwindling every year. Like last year, you know, we were going to studies and studies were like now you're seeing 1.7 1.6 right and so that number is going to keep going down and things are going to keep happening if if black folks feel like 
they're not protected, right? And so, you know, that's 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 where we are. H, you just heard both of us talk about our black babies. What what does that make you? How does that make you feel? You know, it. I don't have any biological children, but my my motto has always been from nine to three, you belong to me, and my heart just breaks for for moms, for dads, for aunties, for cousins, for anybody who has to literally worry about the safety of their young person when they leave their home. Um, and there's already enough to worry about, right? But I gotta, I remember when I was little, my mom would tell me, I want you to find somebody who looks like me if you need help. If you're lost, if something's wrong, you can't find me, you're in trouble, find somebody that looks like me and they should be able to help you, right? Now, what she wasn't saying, because like you all, she's trying to be politically correct and not spawn fear, but she was just saying there's some people who are not, just because they're adult doesn't mean that you should trust them, that they're going to care for you, that all the things, right, without those words. And so I just think about the implications, because the, the so many times we are critical about the police and the job that they do and the role that they take and the things that they are designed to do and the history of them in this country and how we can't seem to get this institution right here, but have do it better in other countries where the focus is not around power and control and, and money, billion dollar budgets and all of that stuff. Um, but I think about what, how this is an example of why it doesn't matter if we have more black cops in black and brown communities, because it's not about the person that is in that, in these, in some ways it is about the person that's in the uniform but we can't underemphasize the role of that uniform and what that also means and how that how power is exerted. And, you know, I think Rodney King being assaulted by white cops hits differently than a black man being assaulted by black cops. And the key there is assaulted by cops, no matter who you are. And I just think, you know, my, my heart breaks. It's hard for me. It's I, I, I have to deal with it. A lot. I don't. I don't. I, I. I. And one of my good friends, her dad is a police officer. I find myself when I'm when I'm in these places where I'm like, they are all awful. I can't stand them. I hate these mother. I say to myself, who is a good one that I know? And I try to lean into that. So, so my my good friend Nisha, her dad is a cop. Um, even my body changes talking to me. new topic. I don't. It don't. It don't. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, hey, respectfully. Can't stand. Respectfully. It. I appreciate that. All right. Um, so closing thoughts on this episode. Rob, start with you. Yeah, I think my closing thoughts, uh, I, I want to bring attention to black joy because I think we need it. And I think that, um, you know, um, my, my hope and dream for us as black folks is we, we work to find joy for ourselves and bring joy to other people that we interact with and hold ourselves accountable for how we bring joy. And it may cost us time and money, but I think I, I want to do my level best to provide joy to my own two and other kids. And so my youngest loves the trampoline park. <laughs> and I have Saturdays where I'm exhausted. Like it's loud in there. It's a lot of people. I don't want to deal with that, but I know that I need to do that for him so he can have his joy. My oldest 
loves to walk the mall and go to the sneaker shop with dad. So like, I need to find more time to do that. And there's a camp um, run by an organization called Speech of Cake. And it's a camp for kids who are neurodiverse. And I found it because through my network and I'm excited, I want to give other kids like uh, Malcolm the opportunity to go. And I want to pay for it because I think every kid deserves the opportunity to be in a space where they're loved, where they can experience joy and not be judged you know, work with people who are professionals uh, at uh, working with children who are neurodiverse. Uh, so I'm going to name uh, those things uh, as my final thoughts as I kind of step into uh, the next part of uh, Black History Month. <laughs> H. Yeah, so mine uh, is a little bit like Doc's. I want to give a shout out to two HBCUs, um, Howard University yesterday, um, had a mental health wellness day. So they, no school, no school for students, no school for faculty. We close it. It's a self-care, mental rest, take good care of yourself day. That was on Friday at Howard University here in DC. And then on Monday, Dell State is doing the same thing. And so shout out to those universities, one for modeling the way, for showing care, and for trying to help us reimagine what a culture of excellence um, and rigor can look like coupled with a prioritization of rest and self-care. Um, and then my second little shout out, <clears throat> because it would be remiss if I did not talk about the Philadelphia Eagles that are going to Super Bowl 57 next week. I want to shout out the Eagles. Somebody just sent me a text message that the Eagles have the most black starting quarterbacks in NFL history. We've got Randall Cunningham, Donovan McNabb, Rodney Pete, Vince Young, Michael Vick, and V. Jalen. Hurts. So shout out to the Eagles and the Bird Gang out there. We flying. I'll see y'all next week. Ray. Uh. Hmm. So, uh, I guess staying on the vein of the of the NFL, I want to shout out Lamar Jackson. And the reason why I want to shout out Lamar Jackson is because this dude represents himself. He went into last season and he bet on himself. Right, he's going in the free agency, and he could have, uh, he could have went for the deal that they were trying to give him, which wasn't like uh, indicative of his abilities. Uh, you saw other athletes that were as talented as him uh, get guaranteed money, like a Deshaun Watson in in Cleveland. Um, but right. Bros, he he uh, he stuck to his he stuck to his guns, and uh, he he did not sign, and so now. He's in a predicament to uh, either force a trade or force that bag. And uh, he, he is uh, much deserving of it uh, in terms of the offensive output that was uh, put put out by the Ravens. He uh, uh, accounted for over 70 percent of their uh, of their offense. No one person should have to carry that burden of an offense uh, in, in a league that's get that that people are getting paid uh, millions of dollars in order to do their jobs. Right. And then, secondly, I want to shout out uh, Eric Bieniemy. And the reason why I want to shout out the, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs is because that man is persevering. Uh, he has been to count six consecutive uh, um, postseasons, right? Um, AFC Championship games, six consecutive, and. Uh, this will be the third Super Bowl that he's going to. 
And if there's anybody that's deserving of a head coaching job, is that black man, that man of Omega. And the fact that this guy does not have a head coaching job in a league that has over 70% black athletes is an absolute travesty. And so those are my final thoughts. Um, Happy Black History Month. You'll see some more from us later this month. We're getting back on our cadence. Uh, Three times dope in the building. Uh, We'll see you soon. Peace.